0: All right. Welcome back, everybody. Looking forward to diving in. Scott, how are you doing today?
1: All right. Doing well. Doing well. Yeah, this is this is a great one. And when we were on the last one with Jeremy, or a couple now, I mistakenly said it's how I met Adam was through Breezeway. But the reality is I really met Adam through Point Central a long time ago. So a lot of exciting things around Point Central, and they've been a partner for a long time. So I'm excited for this one.
0: I right don't I think that's called a, a fact check or something like that in the, yeah, in the business. Check. So there we go. We're correcting things as we go along. We're getting better. <laughs> Adam, how are things going in your neck of the woods? What's going on this week for you?
2: They're going great. And in a similar vein to Scott, this one is one that holds a special place for me. Spent seven years at Point Central, known Nate for pretty much the entire time I was there. Nate and I, Matt, I'll let Nate give his background, but Nate and I met pretty much my first day at Point Central and uh, hit it off right away. And uh, have always enjoyed working with Nate and talking with Nate. I think his vision is fantastic. Looking forward to this episode, one, because I've got a special place in my heart for Point Central, but two, because I think Nate offers a really nice perspective on the industry. So looking forward to digging into this one.
0: Yeah. Welcome, Nate. Welcome to the show. We appreciate you hopping on with us today. would love to get a little background about you, your background in the industry. And then also, if you could as well, please give us a song that describes you as well.
3: Absolutely. But I just, I missed, we missed a sports update, Adam. I've been looking forward to these. these no longer <laughs> yes.
2: No, thank you, Nate. I appreciate it. You had to remind me. So last week we had a lacrosse tournament. It was the last tournament of the year. So soccer is completely over, but I do think that I'm going to be able to hold the team together. There is some, still some drama that's happening, but I think I'm going to be able to hold the team together. Lacrosse has ended and we are now in the off season, which means that. And this is primarily my 12-year-old that I'm focused on with these sports updates. The senior in high school has moved on. She's sunsetted, and she's going off to college. She won't be playing sports. But my 12-year-old is fully focused on the offseason. So he's got goals set up in the back. He's got his agility training and his sprinting. So it's offseason time, but very excited to to be moving into the offseason and hopefully pulling the teams back together in the fall. Thank you, Nate.
3: Thank you, Anna, for giving me some time to think about my uh, my, my song choice. <laughs> I was really appreciating those. It's clearly what one of the first things we bonded over, like what 10 12 years ago. Yeah, I think course, it was
2: 2012. Yeah. It might, have, yeah, yeah,
3: going on 10 yeah. plus years. So well, I appreciate the soccer updates. I like those. Yeah, so I guess song, I have been listening and I prepped this, but I'm a pensive dude and it took me a couple of Hours of work to think about this one, <laughs> and some discussion with my wife. We had very different opinions on what song best described me. I will leave her uh, out of this for today, <laughs> but I have to say it's a song. It's a song by a John Butler Trio called "Better Than." Totally dig John Butler Trio. If you don't know him, just all this stuff's great. But I'm a pretty driven person and always trying to push boundaries. But I'm also big on the pursuit of balance and finding that optimal balance. And this song sort of is centering for me. It reminds me to be present, be grateful for the now, and uh, going into a long holiday weekend, too. It's a, it's just a nice one on a Friday afternoon. That's yeah. a great message,
2: Dan. Congrats on the marriage. I didn't know that you had got married, so that's exciting.
3: Yeah, thanks. Actually, a, a year ago today was the courthouse ceremony.
2: Wow. <laughs> and, the, <laughs> okay. and the
3: family came in and a, a couple of weeks later, so which day, I don't know.
2: Happy <laughs> anniversary. Thank
3: you. Yeah, you Thank you. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Thanks for spending your anniversary with us. I'm sure that's greatly appreciated in your household. Hey, we'll dive right into it. So tell me a little bit, I guess, a background about like, how has this kind of tech that you guys are involved with over there, Point Central, evolved over the years? I guess my story, maybe to get us started, I think I've given this example many times before because it's about the change that a vacation rental manager has to actually overcome. And I love giving the keyless lock example because when I first got into the space, I was with an agency before. This would have been 2014. Um, I, actually, I think this is when I first met Adam. I think he was at Point Central at that time. And the agency I used to work for, we would talk to clients who would say, I will never, ever go to a keyless lock system. <clears throat> and of course, all those managers now have keyless lock systems. So I've seen it happen just from afar, updating copy and doing the marketing side of things. I've seen it happen. But from that, from my entry point, maybe in 2013, 14, maybe that time frame to today, what's kind of the evolution that you've seen or that's happened in the industry during that time?
3: Yeah, that's a good question. So that's around when I was starting. I started with actually, so Point Central is a venture business unit or a subsidiary of the parent company, Alarm.com. It's in smart home technology, smart home security, but also there's about 10 subsidiaries now. It goes way beyond that. I was there 13 years ago, which was right around the time when The idea of Point Central came to fruition and it got uh, developed as a business unit within there. And I was just on the other side. I was at the parent company. So I've been working in this connected home technology for 13 years and I've gotten to watch it somewhat from afar. So that until five years ago when I joined full-time on the Point Central team. But watching it, it was, you're right. It started as, it was keyless locks. And Adam, you were there actually having to fight uphill at that point. I was just doing the other stuff and it was just locks. It's now become, and the reality is, Scott, when you mentioned, locks. It's funny, it's, that's still what we are seen as, and that is the primary part. 100% of Point Central accounts have locks, but there's also a lot of those accounts that have well beyond just locks, and that's smart thermostats. It's water leak detection sensors. It's, a, it's now our homegrown smart noise monitor device. We look at this really as using IoT technology and bringing nice software to create safe, efficient, sustainable, thriving communities or portfolios for property managers. That's kind of the lens that we look at for what Point Central does. But in in 10 years, Conrad, the evolution has been quite extensive. It probably took four or five to get to that point where locks were just acceptable. At this point, I would say they're pretty ubiquitous. The key is getting it tied into other things and making sure that lock is not just a point solution that you have to go manage on its own. And then you log into four other systems to do the other stuff that you want to do. And that's what Mm -hmm. we're trying to bring together.
0: So is the goal then to have all the software and hardware under one roof, or is it the goal to be more like a system that talks to other systems? I guess I'm curious about that side of it.
3: Probably more the latter. So we don't intend to recreate, you know, and be the entire vertical stack. Some groups choose to try to build the entire tech stack. Our sort of, I think, primary area of expertise is understanding how Internet of Things devices connect to the cloud, running a safe, secure, reliable cloud. The parent company manages over 9 million homes across the world. So there's hundreds of billions of data points being generated and that's just the scale of what we're able to do. But then we pull in connections, the API connections to the PMS partners. We're not going to go try to build a PMS. That's just not the core business, but we can tie in. We can tie in with the breezeways of the world. And we have clever interplay between what we do to control the devices, be aware of the devices, and then sharing or moving that information around the entire ecosystem where and where we best see fit or where we think it's the most efficient. So that that's that answer the question?
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a good description of it for sure of like how the actual, obviously we can get down to the weeds of APIs and how things talk to one another, but I think sometimes the manager, their eyes gloss over a little bit. It's more so what's your philosophy? How do you guys build the yeah. software? And then does the philosophy match with how I do things? So maybe
3: the I'll go to our... Like the PMS, the, oh no, it's a good point. The, the reality is the way I look at this, we talk about it, like the PMS is where people are day in and day out. That's the screen they're primarily looking at. There are times when you go in and you configure sort of the point central stuff, but at the end of the day, like it, it just, the tech should be a black box. It should just work. (laughs) The problem is when it's a black box and it doesn't work. And that's where we take this like lens of being, trying to make sure that we focus a lot on reliability and the robustness of the platform. When you have all these different things, both hardware and software talking to each other.
0: Yeah, I think that's the ultimate goal for sure, is to have things as seamless as possible. And then there's a lot of work that has to happen on the back end to make that seamless, but that's ultimately the value. I was going to go your direction, Scott, then. So <clears throat> I was curious, what was your evolution with this dealing with more of the operational side? Was it like, once you got a taste of it, you wanted to do all of it. Is there still stuff that you're holding out on in terms of operationally over on the tan side of things or what's your structure of how these tools work in? And then I guess also the cost of it. Like how do you justify the cost of these upgrades? Because it can be expensive.
1: Yeah, so for us, Conrad, we, it was easy in our big locations, right? we had the typical check-in offices, right? And I would, I don't know that we were first up at Point Central, but I think we were pretty early in line over at Point Central. We went down and we toured the All-Star operation down in Orlando. They had deployed Point Central. And that's how I reached out to Adam to say, hey, all right, we got to look at this. And, and Conrad, our initial plan was let's start in just the small markets where we don't have a presence and we don't have check-in office. And we were using the old school lockbox, right? And sometimes it was on the door, sometimes it was on the door frame, sometimes it was in the stairwell next to the door. So it became this crazy game of where's the key? And then the guest had to put the key back in the lockbox or else we really had problems. So as we started this, Conrad, it was really to solve a problem of these random remote units in places where we didn't have critical mass. As we moved into it, there was a really good sales guy on the phone. And he said, listen, this is bigger than that. And ultimately, within, I think, Adam, it probably took us less than six months, we had deployed it everywhere, including Adam getting on the phone with HOAs and explaining the technology to the HOAs so we could get approval from HOAs that that originally said, no, hey, you got to use these locks and it's got to look uniform. We were quick to add thermostats but then quite honestly we sat a little quiet we hadn't done much with it but i will tell you that started ramping up nate talked a little bit about it with the connection with breezeway and we even talked about it with jeremy right now we're starting to see some technologies that we rely on connect to each other and i think we're about to lean on both of them again here soon to really talk about how do we take both of them to the next level so We ended up all in, we love the thermostat technology. One of the things that we used early, I don't think we use it quite as much anymore. And Conrad, you've been in this business long enough as the rest of us, but we used to love the call of, hey, I've got the thermostat on 68 and it's 74 in here. One of the things we did is we put the door sensor on the sliding glass door. So the team would literally be able to say, perhaps if you start by closing the sliding glass door, you're going to be able to cool the place off a little bit faster. So we've used that. And the other big aspect of of it is just the lockouts, right? And the team just ate up the ability to say, oh, you've just been out at dinner and you're getting back at 2 a.m. I'm sure there's nothing else going on here. The door's not working. Allow me to unlock that for you. Hit the button and then they're in. So yeah, Point Central has been a big one for us, Conrad. I think we've pushed pretty far in, but we are getting very close, Adam and I are working on some plans on how do we take it even further. And that's through our integration with Point Central and Breezeway.
0: I caught something there that made me think something, which is that Adam voluntarily getting on, if it was Adam, I don't know if it was Adam or Nate, it but was. did Adam, did you voluntarily get on an HOA call and talk to people as part of an HOA? Because if so, You were in the heck out of that commission if you got one on that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh
2: yeah, that's a definite as a salesperson. And I've worn a number of different hats, but I think I'll always think of myself as a salesperson. I think everyone is in sales to some degree, but yeah, as a salesperson, my job is to close a deal. So you're darn right. I'm talking to an HOA that (laughs) that that client is going to be buying. So the one caveat I'll give there, and you reminded me, Scott, that that you guys were using lockboxes early on. I think that Hardware is exceptionally important. And what Nate's gonna talk about on the software side is equally important, if not more. But the hardware is really the first step into this. And the lock boxes that Scott is referring to are those old point safes, Nate. You're going back to the very very (laughs) beginning of Point Central. And I can recall the first clients being out out in the field actually drilling those point safes onto the wall which is it was a really cool technology to to think about it was basically a lockbox that had cellular technology in it that could act as a smart lock but it was a lockbox and there have been some people who have come out with similar products since then but my point with that is that the reason that tan was ready and willing to go all in on that next stage once they started to see the benefits was because point central shifted to Yale locks and got away from the point safes and i think that getting the technology right, getting the hardware right is the first entrance into this. And there are a lot of pitfalls that can go into smart home and can go into keyless. And I I think the industry knows that through the variety of vendors that are out there. And I think it's exceptionally important to pick the right vendor that has the track record, that can demonstrate that they can do everything from the install, from the right hardware, all the way through the software and connecting all those various devices. And then to your point, Conrad, connecting back through APIs to the other products that are out there. As Scott was mentioning, I think the next evolution in all of this, because we're getting to a place where some of this is standard. As Nate mentioned, locks have become relatively standard. It would be, it's gonna be odd. And I I am curious, Nate, if you're seeing a, a sort of technology divide between people that are willing to adopt and people that are not willing, but it's gonna be odd at some point, if not already, to go to a house and have a key and not have a keyless access. That's just going to be a strange situation. I think there's still room to grow into the other products with, with thermostats and with water leak, but there's a huge benefit to all of that. But the only way all of that works is if one, the hardware works, and then two, all of that software in the back end works and connects the right way. And Point Central has done an exceptional job of bringing all those connections together.
0: You mentioned a cellular a second ago, Adam, and I think that that's my understanding from a low level, maybe you can educate me a little bit on this because my personal experience is that I have a, not one of the, this pieces of technology, but just in my own personal home. I have one of these kind of standard off the shelf home security systems, which was great mm-hmm. until the power went out and the wi is not working. And then I can't get in <laughs> my own house with my phone. Yeah. What's, how does the cellular piece tie into it? I imagine that increases the complexity slightly, but also I imagine saves the day in many cases when Wi-Fi doesn't work as it should. Yeah. Yeah. So going
3: back to the real history of all this is the parent company, alarm.com started 20 years ago before cell phones were a big thing, but the whole idea, the premise of this was you had security systems that were hardwired to your telephone line. That's how they called the police. And it was so easy to just go cut the, tele- the telephone line outside the home. And then, you'd <laughs> there then you, there you go. Right yeah. in. <laughs> and so the idea was they started on pager networks. It was like our company started by just communicating and taking advantage of understanding how do you connect information, not, through landline telephones. And at the time it was pager networks. And so cellular started that way and then evolved and that's become, it is complicated. Not everybody can do it, but we've done it for 20 years, but that was a core competency that, that our technologists had. And when you get into your scenario, it's like funny, sometimes I forget, I take it for granted. It's just so obvious that if something is only connected to Wi-Fi, that router is going to go out. I think that might've happened to Adam earlier in this call or some little blip in in Wi-Fi. And then you can't connect until you reboot it. And then how do you do that if you've got no control from afar? So we, we have full control over this. We have battery backup on these devices, on these hubs, and we have great multi, Bidirectional pipes that we can that we can manage and we can see what's going on. Now that's actually evolved too. Most of our devices at this point in the hubs are dual path. Some of them are dual path with a fixed line connection to a router, like an Ethernet cord. And part of that's because people change their Wi-Fi network name or password, and as soon as you do that. You forget all the different things that are connected to it. And now your smart home hub that, that connects your locks is not connecting anymore. And you got to go on site. So that's what, why like cellular is so important to us. We see it as a dedicated, private, secure pipe that we manage that gets information to our cloud, independent of everything else going on in your home. You got four people nowadays on streaming video on vacation. Like that, That's all on that Wi-Fi network. We're running a separate, independent path to control the smart property side.
0: Uh-huh. So what are some of the hurdles that I guess people have when it comes to installing these devices? If connectivity seems like you guys have solved that pretty effectively from what I'm hearing here. So is it just the installation? I, again, I'll go back to my previous experience <coughs> and tell me how far off I am on this because I hear all this stuff, secondhand, thirdhand. So I don't always have the best info, but I remember the conversation that our clients would have back then was once they decided they were going to do this, it was who pays for it. All the managers wanted of course, push the cost to the homeowner. The homeowner said, oh, you know, that's your guy's choice. You guys are using that to be more efficient. You pay for it. And then of course the battle would begin at that point. Who has to pay for it? So what's kind of your perspective on hurdles and then cost? Is hey, that Let me kind jump of, in there real quick. Go I've got on.
2: some thoughts on that cost and I want to go to you, Nate, but one, one thing I'll say, and I'm curious if this has evolved, but the reason that TAN could move fast is they took the perspective of this is a company cost, not a homeowner cost. And that was out of line of what the expectations were back in whatever, 2012, 2013, when we started that discussion to your point, Conrad, we had to go in and really build out marketing campaigns to the homeowners to help them understand. And then we would get homeowners one at a time trying to make this happen. And our perspective was, we really want to try to do this all at once if we can. We want to go across your full inventory or at least a bulk portion of your inventory, because that's where the most benefit is, especially from an operation side, from a security side. It really makes sense to try to do every home if you can do it. Nate, where are you with this? Has, Has that switched?
3: A little bit, there's kind of this mix, right? So there's two parts to this. There's the installation part, which I want to get to in a second, but there's just who pays for it is the first thing, because you install after you decide who pays for it. I think we've seen a healthy balance at this point. Adam, you're absolutely right. I look at it from our business standpoint, I look at this as if you can, if my team or myself, I can't help you rationalize taking this cost as the property manager all on your own, then we're not doing a good enough job conveying the value because the the value is absolutely there from a business operational efficiency, asset protection perspective it's nice if you can go and figure out how to pass some of that cost along (laughs) to an owner or to in fees or things like that. But at the same time, like that to me is icing on the cake and in more difficult economic environments, like you're probably not able to go and add five or $10 per booking to to pay for this. You need to build this on based on how it affects your bottom line. And we can have a whole separate conversation. We can draw out the numbers, but it's, you should be able to do it. So we have seen a nice healthy balance and we're getting better at having that conversation and asking what's best for your business. We've seen things where, for example, if you put a lock on a door, if that kind of feels like that's the owner's like that lock, even if it doesn't connect to our cloud afterwards can stay on the door. It still has a pin pad. It's a functional lock, but the hub, which connects to us, the owner doesn't, really do anything with that. They can't use that if they don't have a contract with us, if they leave you, it it serves them no purpose. So that may be an asset or an item that is on the books of the property manager that you can take and reuse for the next unit you're in. Thermostats file somewhere in the middle. But again, it seems like you could probably argue that just goes on the wall and you could sell it to the owner. But I think, Adam, compared to five years ago, there has been a little bit of a shift in terms of the balance of, is it all one way or all the other, it's pretty pretty evenly distributed. The thing that has shifted over the last several years is on the install side. Five years ago, this is largely pandemic driven, but I think it's natural. Five years ago, 90% of our the installs that we did were, in, were us actually project managing and deploying teams to go do the installs so that we could get the entire portfolio on at once. Pros and cons to that. But during the pandemic, people didn't want other folks in these units. Like they, that was just like, who's coming in? When are they coming in? And what people started to realize is, wait a second, this technology is approachable. It's not rocket science, it's not complicated. I can do this myself. And now we probably have about 90% of our installs today are done by the property management companies themselves. The wow. challenge, and this gets back to Adam, you covered all of this, but it's really fascinating, is it's still about the time. It's not about the dollars, it's about the time. A lot of people, because they say install, they're like, I'll do it when I have a vacancy or when I can get around to it. And they do one or two or three units at a time. If you've got a 50 unit portfolio, it takes you weeks, if not months to deploy. You don't realize the value when you only have two or three of these units deployed. You can dip your toes in, but we're trying to work now with partners to say, okay, click. you want your entire portfolio on. It's actually harder when you're managing some online, some offline, two different platforms. Just imagine trying to run two different PMSs at the same time. You, you usually don't do that unless it's by acquisition that you're quickly trying to get onto a single platform. But that's probably been the biggest shift that I've seen on that front over the last several years through the pandemic.
2: Well, that seems like a significant shift for your operations, Nate, because that means that you're not outsourcing that install or managing that install. You've, you can now rely on them. But I think the drawback to your point is the pace that they're going to move and then getting them up and running because you're 100% right. And for all the managers that that might be listening to this and thinking through what that looks like, Nate's point about running multiple systems is a really important point. When you get up and running and let's say you've got 75% on Point Central, will you still have 25% that is in another system and all of your team has to know both of those systems. And it, it takes all of the benefit that you might get out of Point Central and starts to take that away and start to dilute that. And your team starts to get torn away from the value that point central can add. So my, my perspective on it is always try to go as fast as you can put a plan in place, recognize the value that you get out as a manager and try to move the locks as fast as you can. The other side of it, the water leaks, the thermostats, I think those are ones that you could move at a little bit slower pace, but the locks really have a significant impact once you pass that 90%, hundred percent adoption.
3: Absolutely, you could just do the basic math on how many people are going into a given door in a given week. Especially coming up to the busy season right now, that's that's a there's a lot in any given door. And that that us being able to give a key, a virtual key, provision it both on the creation and the deletion. There's like a security element to that, making sure that it's no longer available to somebody after they check out is important. It's also get back to time equals money, right? Like when we talk about operations going into to the busy season. It's about saving time, and then you will, by default, you'll be saving money. But if you're juggling multiple, you're swivel chairing to multiple different systems or softwares, or I've got some online, some offline. You're right. Dilute is the perfect word. There's still some value you're getting out of the stuff online, but you're not getting the full value of it. And door, like the lock, is the starting point. It's like we said, it's become ubiquitous because it can you mentioned, what is that like today? Is it really, are we seeing anybody saying no to keyless locks? I don't think anybody's really saying no, but there are things a year ago, the honeymoon that my wife and I went on to on the Oregon coast, a beautiful house out on this bluff, like a very nice house. I checked in and this reminded me of the first time I ever visited the Outer Banks when I was like 12 years old. I got there at four o'clock and that's when they shut the office. They leave the keys hanging with my name on a piece of paper on the front, porch of this like beach cottage office and then there's a video camera they say is we got you on video but who do you know adam you look like me you could have gone up there and they would have thought it was me i would have thought right <laughs> uh, but it was like mind-boggling that that's still a thing i think that's somewhat rare but what is not rare is people buying point solutions not point central point solution. like i bought a lock i bought a wi-fi lock because i've been told i need to do something that's online And then it becomes something that's not a good quality lock. There are so many different device manufacturers out there. There's a reason we have not decided to build our own lock. Like we can find good quality locks, but there are a lot that are not quality locks and they're not stable, they're cheap. And if you just go, you're gonna get what you pay for kind of thing. So so I would just caution that, like don't just go immediately to lock because I was told I need a keyless online lock. Do your homework, talk to us, talk to whoever, talk to our competitors, but talk about how that integrates into the broader thing so that when you're ready to expand it, this is something that works with other devices because that next step is control and automation. It's not just the control. It's how do you automate things do this along with that? Scott, you mentioned it. Don't, if the door is open or windows open, don't run the thermostat, save your owner's money as well. Like this is, that's that thriving community I talked about. We got multiple stakeholders here and the owner, the operator and the guest and, and this automated connected technology that talks to each other creates a really good experience for all of those stakeholders.
0: Yeah. You touched on it there, which is we started with just this one kind of essential piece of the lock and then more things have been added. So what's next? Do you, I think you even said it a second ago, like noise monitoring is something I know there's other vendors that provide just that service. I don't know if we want to mention them by name here, but I also see ads all the time for, cause I guess I'm in all these, I'm all these in all these targeting <laughs> sets as if I'm the property manager, even though I'm not, but I see ads for smoke detectors where I can tell you if someone's actually smoking, whether it be cigarettes or marijuana or something like that inside of a property. What's it, do you think this is going to continue? Or are we going to have sensors on everything? You mentioned water. What's the like 2033 version of this as yeah, far as tech- 2033. Yeah, wow.
2: I know, right? That's a long time away. Nate, as you think (laughs) through that and you answer that question, maybe this is also a chance for you to layer in what is differentiating about Central. This is what I found in this industry trying to push new ideas and new technology. I think it gets exceptionally confusing for managers. And I think the keyless access space and the smart home space is one of those areas that can be pretty darn confusing to determine... What is the right product? And to your point, Nate, yeah, this this lock looks good, but it's actually really bad quality. And I don't think managers know that. And I think they have a hard time differentiating. So as you think about or answer Conrad's question about what's coming, maybe also layer in what makes Point Central different and why are you guys thinking the way you are thinking?
3: Yeah. 2033, 20, 2028 20, is a lot easier to think about than 33, Conrad. Okay, go for it.
0: 2020. <laughs> oh, yeah,
3: no, I think you're right. I think we look at this, we actually take, and this is part of, I would say, I'm going to weave this in, but like a, a competitive advantage, something that we pride ourselves on is I would say that we aren't always right now 12 years into this going to or trying to be the first to market with every single thing. We want to be best to market. We want to do our homework and our due diligence about the devices that we bring in. So we talk about our ecosystem as being a curated ecosystem of devices. We don't support every Z-Wave lock. We don't support every lock that's out there. That becomes potentially a support nightmare when you have 200 different manufacturers who all run their stack a little bit the same. It may be the same protocol, but now you've got to support that and you're spending support dollars to speak for two hours about troubleshooting one, you have one device by this manufacturer online. Like We think about this like very intentionally. And so you look at the examples of the smart noise monitor that we rolled out, we decided based on an evaluation, that was a device that we had competencies around that we wanted to build insert with certain parameters around it, so we elected to build that ourselves. But there are other devices. You talked about some of these smoke detection or like vape detection devices. I can't comment too far about what we're actually doing or not exactly doing, but we are thinking about those types. If it can connect to the internet, I, ideally we like it when it connects directly to our hub because we have a lot better control. We can we when something goes offline, you're not dependent on multiple different potential points of failure. Like that has to talk to a different cloud. That's a point of failure. That cloud, are they a good, reliable, robust cloud service? We've done this for a long time. Like I said, we, we collect hundreds of billions of data points in a year across the 9 million properties globally that alarm.com is in. So that's that one of those competitive differentiators that we really, I think, lean on Adam, we said you would have spoken about this five years ago. The same is true. It's about, it's got to work robust, reliable, secure people. People were talking about saving time and money. If you have to troubleshoot or something doesn't work, that doesn't save you any time or money. And so that's where we're not just rushing to add every single new IoT device to our cloud, we we wanna vet it. So I'm not answering your question in terms of exactly what categories are out there, but Connor, I think we think a lot about water is something that I spend a lot of time thinking about. And we have leak detectors now, but we think about future versions of that shut off valves. We are thinking more again about how do you tie into an area where you have security needs, like meaning like when, when it's vacant, How do you make sure that this thing is maybe protected through monitored security? We probably won't get into your, I think it's a different world of life safety systems when you're talking about like a carbon monoxide or like a smoke detector that's going to get reported back to emergency response because those are also need their own dedicated path. But I think water and holistic awareness of what's going on in the property. We're thinking about video right now, outside perimeter. But there's pros and cons to video. There's privacy concerns around that. And that's something, again, we spend a lot of time thinking about to make sure that when we do that, we're going to do it absolutely right. We've seen some limited deployment of video doorbell cameras. We're testing that out in some markets right now. Think about areas where you can maybe people count how many folks are coming into a unit. Is it over occupied? Are people bringing pets into an area that haven't paid a pet fee or where your pets are just not allowed? Things like that we can do with some clever analytics, but you have to be very sensitive with this about doing it privately and securely because that's, that's sensitive video and visual information is sensitive information.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's like the most high fidelity version of this. I can see exactly what's going on. That's great, obviously. But I think the, on the guest side, you talk about taking care of each stakeholder, the guest, the homeowner, the VRM, all these people at play. And the guest is certainly the most concerned about the video. That's, there's no doubt about that. Every time you see it go viral, I see this on Twitter. I've seen it on other social platforms where the classic Airbnb host has a camera inside this property pointed at me and, oh my God, they must be a creep and all these terrible things come from that. So yeah, that's the hardest thing I think to do well. And actually my uncle has a short term rental property and I told him, don't even bother to put a camera on there. You're going to drive yourself crazy doing it. And you're probably going to upset the guests, even if it's just a front doorbell camera. So there's probably a use case for it, but yeah, it's definitely the hardest one to, it's the narrowest. I, keep I was blown happy.
3: away by that, 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 sort of data point that Matt Landau shared recently about one in four Airbnb type renters found or a camera that maybe wasn't disclosed, even if it's external, but it wasn't disclosed by the host. It was like mind boggling that was that expansive. I've been been at
0: dinners with hosts before and see them watch the camera and watch people arrive. And I'm just like, I don't know what good comes out of that, to be honest with you. I think that's just asking for pain and misery, honestly, but teach their own. (laughs) You can imagine that
3: where you don't actually show the video, but you have heat mapping or things like that. So you're restricting yeah. all of that. And that's the type of things that I think you can fast forward to 2033. Imagine is very possible, but doing it right doing it privately and securely is like hard. <laughs> number one. It's hard yeah.
0: and it's the number one priority. For sure. Adam, I think we cut you off. Sorry. Go ahead.
2: Well, I was just going to say that I, I think that the large majority of people that come on vacation are good actors. And I don't think that we should skew that entire experience for the very small percentage that might cause a problem i just think it's the wrong direction this is similar to the discussion i used to have about direct to house check-in all these managers were so afraid some of them would use the relationship i want to say hi to them build that relationship and i see some value in that but i think there's other opportunities to do it but the majority of them would use the other side and say oh i want to i want to see if they're underage or i want to see if i don't like them going to the property and it's just that's not the right experience that we should all be thinking about in this industry but with that said I'm curious. And I know we're getting towards the end, but Nate, what's the limitation on the carbon monoxide and the smoke? Is that just from a liability perspective? Because it seems like that's a gap in this industry.
3: Sure. Let's let me take a note of that. There's you're on that operator side saying there's a gap there. And anytime you say the word liability, I've got like a check with the lawyers and things <laughs> like that as part of a big, a bigger company. I think it is. It's again, doing it right. Making yeah. sure that those systems just have, those systems have to be online and connecting probably even more than, oh, my, my lock went offline for five minutes, it came back on, that's not a good experience, but you can't have a smoke detector, carbon monoxide detector go offline for five minutes and not report. Yeah, literally
2: them. life-saving, so for sure. Is alarm doing that on the alarm side?
3: On the, yeah, on the alarm side, and that's through, and then this is where we look at it as when we aren't installing these or a licensed security professional or a licensed professional to provide, install, and monitor life safety systems, is isn't involved it's just you can't do it and say I got this thing. It's a noisemaker, and then you start to ask who is responsible. Gets back to that trusted. I think I look at us, You just got to be a trusted provider. There's a lot of startups these days. There's a lot of different devices. You can go buy something on Amazon or Alibaba and say, oh, this is this connected device. But like you don't know where that information is going. You don't know what they're doing what with it. Is it actually always talking, or is it offline half the time, and you just don't know about it? So yes, yeah, so Alarm.com does that, and the vast majority of all of that Resi business, it's monitored sort of life. Systems, but those are all installed by professional, licensed installers, um, which is in a self-install world probably not the case for yeah. the for Tan.
2: Yeah, and I think my takeaway from this discussion, and ultimately my time at Point Central as well, is we've really got to think about this industry as a full ecosystem. And it seems like that's the way that Alarm and Point Central look at this, is what's the full ecosystem? And then what are the impacts of these small pieces that we might put into that ecosystem? Because while it's easy for me to sit on the side and say, oh, it's a gap not to have a connected carbon monoxide detector. You look at the full ecosystem and the way you described it makes complete sense. We can't just have self-installs of these life-saving devices. And we have to know that the device works. We have to know that the cloud works all of these pieces have to come together before we can even consider putting that into that full ecosystem. So I would encourage managers that that might be listening to this, as you're making a decision towards Keyless or towards Smart Home, think about it holistically. Think about the company holistically. Think about the products holistically. Make sure that you're choosing the right provider because these are very important tools that we're putting into the properties.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Anything else, Adam, that we didn't touch on here with Nate? I know, like you said, we're out of time here, so we might have to put a bow on this one, but I think we did a good- I want to get Nate
2: back on. I appreciate the time, Nate. Nothing off the top of my head other than I would love to get you back on sometime in the future and think through how all of this comes back together and focuses on service and hospitality. How can we leverage the technology in the field to really make that guest experience that much better? I think there's huge opportunity, but I'm really interested in bringing that back. Put a pin in it. We'll circle back that on the next one, but definitely get you back on the show.
3: My curiosity has oh. peaked. I would love to. I appreciate <laughs> the
2: time, gents. This has been great.
0: Yeah, thanks, Nate. It was it was great to chat with you today. Definitely, we'll put some links in the show notes to your LinkedIn profile, and then we'll also put a link to Point Central so people can check out the product, the company, the team, and see the, uh, the quality behind it. And I think this rounds out our previous employer segment from Adam Norco. So we've got <laughs> the last, but not the least, by any stretch. So we appreciate you hopping on, Nate. cousin to Adam in terms of appearance as well, which has been fun for me today to be watching this. We thank you guys. We always ask for reviews at the end. So if you made it this far and you got some value out of what we've talked about here today, we do appreciate a review in your podcast app of choice. Head on over there, click the button, takes you a second, helps us out quite a bit so more people can see the show. So thanks so much. We appreciate it. And we will see everybody on the next episode.